Welcome to Soupy Art Radio. I am just delighted today to be talking with Jenny Matthews, who is the founder of She of the Sea, as well as a first officer. And i um, just been so looking forward to catching up with you today, Jenny. Hi. Hi. No, it's amazing to be here. It's, I've been looking forward to it myself. So, um, Jenny, can you share with us a little bit of your story of how you got into yachting and, and what started you on a maritime path? Yeah, for sure. It's actually a pretty funny story now that I look back in hindsight. It was a chance encounter with my neighbor, really. I was um, 18 years old and I was just about to head off to do a Bachelor of Commerce in New Zealand. <laughs> and I uh, ended up having a chat with my next door neighbor and he turned out to be a super yacht captain. And his wife was a chief stewardess, and the more they talked about the career, I, I just obviously it piqued my interest. So it was a pretty um, quite life-changing conversation, really. And he kind of also helped shape my mindset, uh, you know, asking me straight up, you know, like, what do you enjoy? And I said, you know, I love working outside, and I'm, I'm, I like physical work. And he's like, well, you can be a captain if you want. So... From there, we pretty much just like outlined what courses I would need to take. I went off and did my dive master for a year and then headed over to Antibes. And the rest is history, really. Yeah. <laughs> Ten years later, here we are. But you took the slightly less, and I'm going to use the brackets, of traditional path because uh, for a lot of girls coming into the yachting industry, they head more into the stewardess side of things. So what motivated you to look at becoming a first officer instead? Yeah, I think it really was shaped from that first conversation with him. Really, like from his, I mean, he did obviously mention the good and bad sides of yachting, sorry, the hard and positive sides of yachting. You know, I was very aware that I was going to be in a minority, but his, his kind of view of, you know, of course, this is what you can do. This is A plus B equals you know, end goal. So I kind of had that clarity in my head and that understanding that even if I was a minority, there was probably no reason that I couldn't do it anyway. Uh, and I did definitely notice that in the first course I did, which was a three-month super yacht course. You know, we're doing everything from heliops to flower arranging, and I was the only woman there that was really looking to go onto the exterior. But I think once you've kind of got that vision in your head, you just keep plowing towards it, and it ends up unfolding eventually. <laughs> So um, you have been developing uh, a platform, really, I'm, I'm, it, in a broader sense, of connecting and, and creating a community of support and information and awareness called She of the Sea. How did that start? Where did, you, where did the inspiration for She of the Sea come from? It's, again, it's quite funny when I look back at it. <laughs> so it started about two years ago, and it, it just after I passed my Officer of the Watch ticket. And it was it was birthed from a couple of different conversations I was having, and it was with other people in the industry, you know, obviously crew that I've been working with and other people. And it was amazing because everyone was like, congratulations, that's so cool. But more often than not, it was followed by, did you know there's only like 10 women that have this ticket? And... That is not true, first of all. <laughs> but for me, but it seems that way. It, yeah, and I was like, oh, maybe it is true. You know, I'd been working 
in the industry for about eight years then and I'd actually never even worked with another woman and I think I'd seen one and I'd heard of one female captain so I was kind of like wow is this is this possible and it was ironically timed with the same time that Jacinda Ardern had been um, you know elected to be a fe- you know the first like one of the first female president of sorry, <laughs> Prime Ministers of New Zealand. And I think it was kind of this accumulation of, you know, like seeing these women and I was like, surely there's more of us driving boats. So it just literally started with a question um, to a Facebook group called Girls on Deck. And I pretty much just said, can we have a raise of hands? Are there any other officers of the watch out there? And the response was just, A, overwhelming, and B, overwhelmingly, oh my God, I didn't know everyone was out there from the whole community. And so for me, that was hugely exciting and just really highlighted how amazing it would be if we got all these women together um, and see what happens. Well, I was struck recently, I was, um, there was an Eyeswan study uh, done last year. And in the Eyeswan study, they discovered 57% of women versus 39% of men felt... So social isolation or loneliness. Um, this study was done, you know, about nine or ten months ago. But it struck me as a as a huge figure of um, sometimes how isolated women feel uh, and not having those connections. So I I think that this is one of the very big parts. And I, I think in some ways. I was having this conversation yesterday of a friend of mine whose um, mother had passed. And we were talking about the difference of being a widow versus a widower. And one of the things we were saying was, as, as women, we really need that contact. We need those friends. We need to talk. We need to share. And I think that's one of the reasons why having a forum that connects women together, it's, it's not to isolate the men around us, but it is very much a deep social and emotional need in women. I um, presume you would find this very much yourself. Yeah, and I think um, that particular survey and the results found it uh, extremely interesting and very telling of the Cypriot industry as a whole. And like, I think that that feeling of um, isolation, being cut off from your community is, it's almost, it's 100% a genderless issue. But I think what we find is really interesting is that, I mean, I'm sure most women that work in deck or engineering roles will feel very, uh, they'll recognize the feeling of being the only woman in the classroom or the only woman on deck. Or, and it's not saying that we don't create beautiful friendships and professional and personal bonds with our male crew members. There is a lot to be said for having that shared experience with people of the same gender that have um, it's the same experiences, just as men benefit from having male and female friendships and mm-hmm. those that network, it's the same for women. And it just really wasn't present before, but it's what we're seeing now is, you know, we're almost two years down the track. And my personal experience is that I enjoy my job so much more um, and feel, you know, that it has so many positive benefits, you know, being able to ask people that have had the same experience as you, how they dealt with things, what happened then, what worked, what didn't work, suggestions, you know, they all really help you to not only enjoy your job, but also excel in it. Mm-hmm. And looking at, I mean, in, in some ways, has obviously from a female point of view, there has been a huge positive 
um, for Shiv to see. But you have had a lot of feedback from male um, roles in the in the industry as well. Oh, I love it. Like honestly, that was probably one of the most. I'm not surprising, but I wasn't really sure how it would be um, viewed by the men in the industry. And what's been amazing is that it's been overwhelmingly, hugely positive and supporting. Um, not just from like the people at the same level as us, but also and probably more especially the the older gentlemen in the industry. And what we're hearing is that these are the men and they're the captains and some of them have gone shoreside, some of them are doing delivery work or, you know, they're the very experienced men and they're like, they have worked with the women that really were trailblazers, you know, when there really was probably only 10 women. And they, they've worked with them, they respect them, they care for them, they've mentored them and they respect them. And it's hearing their response, you know, you know and quite often they've now got daughters or granddaughters and it's this recognition that this is something that's important and that will really benefit the industry as a whole and um, that's been pretty inspiring really and I'm, I'm sure as well they have seen the change in in women coming into the industry as well in comparison to say 30 years ago where now you know there are more women coming in there are still relatively percentage-wise a f lot fewer engineers, a lot fewer captains, but they're making their way. Um, is there, do you see the progress as well of having role models uh, available be, and women moving less from the more traditional roles or in some ways the balance as well, because that's the other thing in, in every industry is the balance of family life, versus career-wise, um, it's, to be honest, a bit more tricky when you're at sea to have that balance as well. Mm, yeah, there's two really big topics in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting, though. I, mean, <laughs> I think the start? first one being um, a change. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, how long have you got? We've <laughs> um, got to the next news. change in the industry. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, when I first tweaked and onto super yachting which was 10 years ago I distinctly remember being very excited and sitting at my home back in New Zealand and googling female captain um, and absolute silence from Google like not not even a picture or an article females in maritime nothing so I definitely think in terms of visibility and awareness and I do believe she of the sea is a big part of that something we're focusing on is the the uh, we're getting it out there that these are possibilities for women. doesn't mean every woman should do it, but those that are interested can do. So I see these things changing, and that's in the industries outside of yachting as well. However, and there's a lot more women coming in that are, you know, interested in doing the deck side or the engineering side. But one thing that I thought would have changed in 10 years um, and other women as well that have been in the industry as long as I have. One thing we thought would have changed but hasn't, um, and it's a really interesting topic, is that we're still finding that young women are coming in and they have so much passion and drive to work outside. And it's almost like getting stopped at the gates um, by by voices within industry saying, you know, you should just go out and get a stewardess job. People aren't hiring women. And, some, and this is the whole conversation of... Um, 
being stopped almost before you get a chance to try it uh, mentally. You know, they're getting discouraged from attempting to get into the race. Um, and that's a really interesting point that we kind of thought would have moved out by now. Um, and something that we're really trying to actively address and encourage the women that do want to try, just go for it. And go for the, I, I think particularly, you know, just from friends, girls going towards the um, deckhand jobs or the engineering jobs or wanting to progress onto a captain's ticket, it still is, it, from, from the feedback I've had, it's still kind of a, a tougher line in some ways because unfortunately in our industry, aesthetics and age play, I feel, a bigger role with women's positions than men's position. Being a female 30-something wanting to be a deckhand is going to be a bit more of a challenge possibly than wanting being a male wanting to be a deckhand even with the same experience. So in some ways, yeah, that's I mean, uh, we need to kind of push the industry to, to see these as equal roles as well. Well, I think... Um really what you're speaking to there and is something that we are really um, interested in and excited in is competency-based placement. So taking things like gender, sexuality, where you're from, uh, you know, all of these topics that essentially have nothing to do with how well you perform as a crew member, how competent you are from the position, really trying to move the focus to the right person for the job then all these things that have you know literally no effect on how well you do it, and it's it goes like both ways as well. It's like saying there are fantastic men at, at jobs and fantastic women. There's also men and women that could be a lot better in these roles. Mm -hmm. So it's actually trying to take these factors out of the conversation and focus on skills and who these people are as people. So looking at your ability and not the other factors. Is a mm -hmm. big it has, it. It's really, I always like to say that my gender has as much to do with my hair color <laughs> as to how well I can do the job. And that's how I behave as well. I, 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 which is ironic for having a platform for women. I like to talk about gender as little as possible. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, um, I think that's some of it, you know, having, um, I have four daughters and my older two daughters push against the concept of feminism because they feel it separates us in some way. They, you know, the kind of far end of, of female rights, it, it frustrates them because they, they kind of say, you know, but why is this, why do we have to label it feminism? Why does it have to be based on what sex we are? Um, they, you know, they, they almost see themselves as being anti-feminist because they don't want to be judged based on the fact that, that they're female versus male, which is, you know, similar right. idea. It's a, such a hot topic, and it's one um, I personally have not battled with, but spent a lot of time walking around. Um, I mean, when I, I mean, I would have been horrified if someone said that, I, or if I would ever say that I was a feminist maybe a couple of years ago. Um, and it's a, it's, you know, it's one of these words that kind of triggers people to shut down almost mm. and they're not willing to engage with it because it's got so many negative connotations to it um, but now my favorite thing to do when someone brings up feminism is ask that person how they define feminism 
and then see how that fits actually with what we are actually talking about, which is equal opportunity, which is nothing, you know, that's not, again, not specific to gender, but unfortunately there's a lot of um, negative things that go along with that word. It is, well, because it started where we needed it to start 50 or 60 years ago to bring a gender balance. Now um, what we need is, is a again, a gender balance, but in some ways um, not because we don't have equal rights or we have unequal roles as we did 50 or 60 years ago, but because we do have equal roles, we just need them to be equal in pay and opportunity. That's it. And I think a couple of really important things spring to mind when you're saying this. And the first one is is that uh, what we're actually talking about here is the power of diversity. And there is so much data out there now in the world that says that diverse teams outperform uh, non-diverse teams like streaks and streaks and streaks ahead. And that means equally as much as a, you know, a team of men is going to perform the same as a team of solely women. Mm-hmm. So there's studies out there showing that when you have one female introduced to a, a male team, the results start to lift. Two, even more, and three or more, you know, that dilution, it, it just becomes off the charts. So what we're saying is that we actually, this is not about who does it better, it's how we can be better together which is the main point here. And, and I like to, you know, people ask me, what's the goal of She of the Sea? And, and <laughs> I like to say that I don't want to see any more female captains. I just want to see captains. You know, it's that e- equal playing field for everyone that wants to, to excel. And, and bringing in the, in some ways, the talents that are between our two sexes. You know, the way that men yeah. see things, the way that women see things, we bring different things into it. You can see it in, in every industry and government when we have the, the balance of the two, um, it is just more effective. And I think when we look at superiority, it's a it's a heightened version of the world in a very concentrated um, population, basically. You know, when we look at what our actual jobs are, we are employed to look after safety-wise and basically ensure that the top earning 1% of the world um, enjoy their assets. We look after multi-multi-million dollar assets. We look after the safety of not only them but their family. And we're providing the service that's pretty much unparalleled in the world, which means that we are looking for talent of the most driven professional people to be able to fill those roles. And when we're only looking at 50% of the population – to do that, we're really just doing ourselves as an industry a disservice. So what we're really trying to do is broaden that net of talent to anyone that wants to give it a go. Um, moving on to what is also a little bit of a hot topic, but it was brought up last year with the PYA, and it's looking at sexual harassment in the yachting industry. Um, which I think is different in many ways to other industries. Um, And uh, I mean, I I know you have been involved in this with um, both Nautilus earlier this year. Um, You were involved, and I believe at the moment in Rotterdam, they are having a general meeting as well with Nautilus. How do you see that progressing in our industry? It's a really, really interesting topic, and it's another one of those ones that um, 
it's quite a, a bit of a trigger uh, for for a number of really good reasons. But I think what has become really apparent to me um, and is another similarity is that this is not just a topic that affects women. You know, the stats showed that crew of all genders were being affected by this harassment and abuse. And the stats show that it's from both other crewmen, but also from guests. Mm. And the way that I like to talk about sexual harassment and what this industry can be moving towards is actually looking to protect all parties. You know, that's talking about protecting the owner from financial liabilities. It's about protecting people that are being falsely accused, which we all know mm. happens. It's about protecting victims from uh, crew and from guests. So I think the thing that we need to be looking at um, as an industry is moving towards that protection, you know, having standard operating procedures, having policies written to our ISM, having trainings on it and support for captains and management to be able to deal with these situations as if they're a legal uh, case, basically, because there are places that it actually will be a legal case and it's about protecting people. And as a result of that, we will see, you know, um, victims becoming, the, the number becoming less so I think uh, there's a lot of work to do, but I think there's a lot of passionate people out there looking into how we can do this effectively. And and there seems to be also, uh, you know, an increase of awareness of talking about what policies we can put into place and the support, because that is one of the, I think, the big problems from from moving it forward is the fear of will this affect my job or unawareness of how do I mm. how do I progress this you know if I if I who do I tell where do I go um, there seems to be a lot more options or awareness being built around this topic as well Mm. It was quite funny. This Earlier this year, I was at the Trade and Union Congress in London, which was a really interesting experience because it was not maritime focused at all. You know, we had the education unions, the nursing unions, the entertainment unions, and they were all assembled to uh, bring forth what they thought was the most important issue that needed to be addressed by the government, basically. And it was really interesting, quite eye-opening for myself. And I remember going to one of the little um, the meetings in between the big um, uh, congress, basically, and they were talking about sexual harassment. <laughs> and they were talking about um, how we can improve the trainings and how we can improve the policies. And I was like, can I have a copy? <laughs> can I have a copy of that policy? <laughs> you know, I've, I've been in the industry for 10 years nearly, and I'd, I'd never come across one. And I was like, the yachting industry is about 10 years behind the rest of the world, but we have a great advantage in that, and that there's a lot of stuff out there that is working and would be need to be tweaked to be implemented, but would have a huge impact. Mm. Um, and I think we could really do ourselves a great favour by looking outside of what our industry to see what's already out there in terms of training and policies and, and resources. I, I, I feel it's a similar topic in some ways to mental health in the industry. That's another one that there is a fear of reporting in case it affects your career path. Um, but having talked with this year the crew coach and crew glue and um, impact crew, there's a lot of companies coming up in our industry that are looking at not just the topic, but kind of broadening it to developing the teamwork, developing the awareness 
throughout the crew from from captain down to deckhand um, and I think that's mm. a really big part of it is looking at the earlier training and what can be put into place in in the whole mm. team of the super yacht as well yeah I think it's a it's equally as important and something that was reflected in the, the, the yacht crew survey that Share the Sea put out, which is not a gender-specific survey. It was literally asking crew, you know, the people on the tools, what's important to you? What do you want to see change and how do you want to see it changed? And mental health awareness and support was the top, one of the top issues. So it's really prevalent and it was something um, that I really wanted to chew over as obviously being involved in the platform, but as an officer, and one thing that became really present to me in, in my thinking about it was, you know, as officers and captains, we are trained to keep the boat safe, afloat, and everyone alive, which is awesome, <laughs> which we have to learn. Um, but there are so many things that um, are not nautical, not maritime, that we that are involved in our job. You know, you go from being a navigator and a, a seaman, and you know, learning very practical tools and skills. And then all of a sudden you're in charge of, you know, anywhere from 10 to 40 crew. Mm. And you move from being a, you know, a very practical-based person to having to know computer skills, management skills, communication skills, all of these things that are totally, you know, the performance and safety of your crew actually depend on these skills. And I think that there's a lot that we could do as an industry to help the people that are able to have a positive impact be able to do that effectively. And, you know, there are a lot of good, amazing captains and officers out there that it's a personal interest of them, their own, and they will invest in their own development of these skills. Um, I think the more support we give to the people that are in charge, the more change we're going to see. More change and the better it is for the industry too, because one of the big topics we've heard this year is about crew retention. You know, the... Keeping building a team, keeping that team, it is it is a, a difficult one because there is yeah. a lot of crew turnover, which speaks of if you love your job and you love what you're doing and you love your team, you're not going to be looking at going to the next boat. So ultimately, <laughs> you yeah. know, you're not getting the best out of the or the best performance out of the crew you have as well. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, having that those skill sets, as you say, for some people it, it's a natural, you know, part of, of what is important to them, but it doesn't come naturally to everyone. You know, we know plenty of doctors who are fantastic diagnosticians, but they're awful at talking to patients. It's a similar mm. idea of, um, for some people, this needs to be part of training as well. Yeah. And I mean, I think anyone who's had anything to do with the industry knows that, you know, crew retention and continuity is very important, not only to the boat, but to the owners. And, you know, equally as important financially, the cost of, you know, trialing new crew, doing the induction, the time cost of getting the right person, training them up. I mean, everyone has their own example, but I always like to, to think of the, the dragonfly vessel. You know, that that boat to me sounds like the golden goose. You know, they've got more officers employed than deckhands because people do not go. 
you know, they are so well looked after, they're so well trained, they perform extremely well. You know, those are the, you know, the dead man shoe crew positions. They've got a wait list as long as you're armed to get on there. And there's no reason that, that you know, that doesn't have to be a one-off. And there are enough marriage. boats out there and passionate people to to do this. And I think it's really interesting to look at what vessels like that are doing, see what works and see how we can implement it. So looking at encouraging younger women coming into the industry or mentoring programs. I know you've been involved with a few things, in particular the 1851 Trust. Um, yeah. Can you tell us more about those ideas? Yeah, well, this is super exciting. This is actually happening on Friday. Uh, so at the moment, myself and my partner, who's also a chief officer and um, co-founder of the platform, we have been asked by the 1851 Trust, which is the official charity for the America's Cup team here in the UK, which is super exciting. They just got a huge grant at the start of the year to put on a STEM program, which is Science, Technology, Engineering and Maths Roadshow, which is directed at basically going around the country, um, getting in touch with the young women out there and showing them through the, the you know, the the funness or the you know the inspiration of these amazing vessels about how careers in technology and science engineering and maths can be used you know, so it's extremely hands-on they're using coding to like determine where the vessels go they're looking at the fabrics what they're made out of they're looking at the dynamics of how they get up on the hydrofoils and it's a really amazing way to see how and also how the government is seeing that it's important to engage young women so they've invited us to come along to be part of the the panel of women sharing about their careers and kind of being a, uh, in some ways role models to what um, a career could look like if you follow these these topics, which is so interesting. It's, it's pretty inspirational for us, and the caliber of women that are there is like pretty overwhelming. So we're very excited. Um, but I think any kind of event where you're able to engage the young women and basically just say, hey, if you want to do it, you can. There's people out there doing it. It doesn't become so scary and unattainable. I think that's really where a beautiful shift can start to happen. And providing the role models. You know, there's nothing like seeing someone who has done it before. And in many ways, for the older generation of women who have overcome the challenges and they've still made it. Yes. And it's really a lot of what I try to personally do is tip my hat to those women because I wouldn't be where I was today without them doing the hard work, much harder than I'm doing, <laughs> you know, with no support. Like I think of uh, my previous captain, Carol Benbrook. She's been a captain for 25 years now. And, you know, when she was doing it, there was no one as well, like really. <laughs> and, you know, she's fought incredibly hard to get where she is. And now it's just amazing to be able to connect with those women. And, and I, I'm struck by, I don't remember her name, but she is the first cruise liner captain. The very yeah. first cruise liner <laughs> captain. And, you yeah. know, she, she said, um, I believe she's Caribbean. I can't remember. It was a number of months ago. But she said, you know, I had three things going against me when I was working my way up. You know, I had a good education. I was dark-skinned and I was female and those three oh, yes, were yes. a huge challenge for me progressing but reading her story was just so inspiring 
that you know she has made it through all of those barriers and proven herself over and over when you know she didn't have a role model and you know she made it yeah. as well so it's having those inspiring role models that you can say wow you know they made it yeah and it's it's incredibly unmeasurably inspiring to see those people and hear those stories and also uh, one thing I found really interesting when talking to these the the women that really did do it tough was hearing how they cited that the challenges that they faced were actually the key to their their development professionally and how much they value those that you know perseverance resilience um and how it reflects in their leadership and their careers at the moment. And, and it was really interesting to see how it wasn't viewed as a negative thing, something they are grateful for, which I absolutely love. Yeah, taking the, the toughest times and using that to make you stronger. Um, yeah, I think if you can a, handle that, you can handle anything, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and perseverance is a big part of it, you know, believing in yourself, believing in what you can achieve um, mm -hmm. and keeping going. Um, I think is inspiring to all even of us. Things, yeah, even things like there's something that I hear often and experienced a lot myself. Um, an example is doing the courses and because you're the only woman in the room and you feel like, you know, all eyes on you in some way, um, there's an incredible self-imposed pressure to be the smartest person in the room. So you study your ass off. You make sure that you are hitting those 100% every single time and so you're you're driving your effort because really not only your reputation but every woman that's going along next to you and beside you depends on how you perform and that's um, you know what people thrive under pressure and I'm glad that I had that pressure because I I'm, I'm very happy with where I am professionally and where I know that I can go because of that self-imposed drive so that's not a negative thing is it that's, no that's great <laughs> No, I yeah. um, just looking at there was um, a yacht crew survey you were involved in. Um, can you tell us a little bit more of what you discovered with the yacht crew survey, looking at where we are right now? Yeah, um, well, that was really um, exciting. But, I mean, the, the reason that they actually put it out, the, the first reason, and it definitely evolved more from that, but the first thing was, I, was, I wanted to know how many female captains there were. <laughs> and I wanted to know what the percentage was, because I'm like, okay, I know there's more than 10, but actually how many are there? So we're collecting really good data with that. But what's actually been way more interesting and way more applicable is, you know, it's the same in any industry. The people that are actually doing the job will know 100% better what to change, mm. you know, what's right there, what's affecting them every day. And... It was basically a, a direct question to those people working. What do you want to see? How do you think? What's your biggest challenge? How do we change that for you? And so what we're finding is that um, mentorship mm -hmm. is a huge one. Being able to connect with experienced, unbiased people that have been there before and not, not saying that they're going to get rid of all the challenges, but will be a touchstone to be like, hey, have you experienced this? What's the best way to go about this? Da, 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 da. Um, that's being hugely called out for. Um, and leadership development, which I think comes under the same sphere, but those two seem to be the, the main ones. And then, of course, 
addressing sexual harassment, um, mental health. You know, there's a huge list. And actually, you know, we had about eight topics up there and every single one of them was ranked as extremely important. But those those top three um, were the, uh, were the were main ones. Just you were surveying crew from captains down to deckhands or was it industry-wide? Industry-wide. Um, so I didn't want to put the, the She of the Sea name to it. I put it as Yacht Crew Survey because this is not just figuring out what women want or what captains want. This is what every single one of us wants. And it's really interesting. To We thought maybe there'd be different answers for different levels. You know, we want to hear as much from the greenies as we do from the, you know, unlimited masters. Um, we want to hear from the people that are one year in, the people that have been here for 12 years. And what's really interesting is that they're not that different. <laughs> there are some universal things that people want to see uh, and be part of, which is really, really um, amazing data to have. And the more we're looking into it and the, the, the really direct suggestions and things that people want to see, um, oh, God, there's so much amazing work to be doing. We're so excited. Because just to broaden it, um, you know, we we've, when when I'm talking to people about super yachts, they think about the crew on board, which is a, you know, a obvious percentage of the industry. But then there's a whole broader industry as well that feeds into the super yachts, from you know shipbuilding to provisioners to media to, and seeing women take those roles as well, start companies up. Um, it it we're talking hundreds of thousands you know even though there's tens of thousands of crew on board in the in the industry wide it's huge once you look at the global platform yeah. it's not just crew on board it's also industry wide getting women to start their businesses or you know um as you say it's yeah it's, it's a much broader base of women in the industry as well it's it's monstrous, and it was. And I'll be totally honest. Two years ago, when I started this, I'd had barely any contact with the shore side. You know, crew agents, provisioners, you know, safety people. But really, once starting the platform and really being able to connect um, and see how the message and the vision resonated with the industry as a whole was really kind of uh, eye-opening and overwhelming to me. Like the same things that we're experiencing as female deck and engineering can be said for people in tech or the, you know, the shoreside engineering or the, you know, the, the brokers and sales section. Um, and the more I'm connecting with these women, the more I'm seeing it that these are universal truths and issues that um, will evolve together. It's not just changing one aspect, it's changing all of them. And what's really exciting is to see how when we unite with one idea, that it actually takes a whole an industry as a whole to change. It's not just crew saying, let's change this. It's actually all of us agreeing that, yes, this can be better this way. Let's use all of our different platforms to move in a positive uh, area. Um, I was at Monaco Yacht Show two weeks ago and on the Friday evening there was an event down at Yachting Pages of Association of Women in Yachting. And amazing. This is, you know, a, what was set up as a Facebook page um, but it I've now been to two of the events and it's just been, I, I mean I told everyone, every girl I met at Monaco, I'm like Friday evening, you know, six o'clock. It's not to make it, it exclusive 
but it is such a lovely energy when you have people coming in from from each sector and coming together just for that connection, that support, that mm-hmm. sharing of information. Um, yeah. It, each time now I've been to two of the events have been just a marvelous yeah. experience of the support we can have when we're all working together. It's incredible. And I really, I love watching uh, what Anna and the association is doing. I think it's fantastic. Um, and I think that the more that men and women can see the benefit of this, the better, the more people we can get involved. It's fantastic. And I, I think it's um, it's really been quite inspiring for me as well to see, personally to see another woman um, doing a similar thing, which is so, it doesn't feel quite so lonely. And we have we have slightly different target audiences, but it's just, it's again, it's that shared story and that shared experience of people trying to make a difference. And I really enjoy it as well because there's this old myth about women having to compete with each other. You know, there's only space for one executive or one first officer or one association of women. I and mean, it's really nice to dispel that and really show that we are working together for the same uh, goal, mm. which is the whole point, right? Yeah. Um, so looking at, at the future, you know, looking down the line in, in 10 years' time, you've now been at least a decade in the industry. Where would you like to see it going in the future? Mm. Uh, well, my 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 standard I for that, I think I already mentioned that, is that there be no more female captains, just captains. And I really I stand to that. And I and you know it goes both ways. I don't want to see any more male stewards. I just want to see stewards. It's for everything. I think the more the industry can embrace um, diversity, it's just going to be tenfold. And it's just going to continue. And as I think also the more we focus on the skills that potentially haven't been um, addressed directly, like we mentioned before, like the leadership and the support and the soft skills, I suppose, um, that's all going to work in together. But I, I really feel so optimistic and a really deep passion and love for the industry and what it could be, like the potential of what it could be for crew and owners. And the whole enjoyment in the industry, you know, when when a team is working well together, when people are loving their jobs, you know, it it, yeah. it benefits everybody because all of the issues, yeah. be it sexual harassment or mental health or all of those will improve if we have those in place. I, I really hear you with that. And I the way that I've always looked at my role, even before I was an officer, is that we have the amazing privilege of being in a position where we get to shape um, a little universe of 10 people. You know, we create the culture, we create the standards, we create the experience that these people have, and it can either be an incredibly nurturing, fulfilling, rewarding personal professional growth, or it could be a floating hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we get to choose what that is. And it's an amazing thing to be able to, I always look at it as a human experience, uh, experiment. Um, and I think that it, it, it can be so fulfilling for people, which is what we're trying to move towards. So um, just on a coming up next week is the uh, ACRU Awards. And uh, yeah. I, I, you must be delighted, but you have been nominated as Entrepreneur of the Year um, for 2019. Um, 
can only imagine that that's just a lovely recognition of what you've been building over the past two years. Yeah, and I really love what ACRA are doing here. I think it's fantastic to really highlight um, the awesome stuff that's happening with the industry. And last year we were voted for the leaders within the industry, that, that section, and to be in the entrepreneurial one is now really cool. Um, and there's, I mean, I want to give a shout out to Dean Pilati, who's up there for the Masters 3000. He's a huge, uh, he's a, a very good personal friend of mine as well, but a huge advocate for what she the C stands for. So it's amazing to see people like him um, getting the recognition that they've worked so hard for and they deserve. So it's an amazing event. And I won't be able to attend, unfortunately, but I'll be waiting with bated breath to see how it turns out. But I, I think equally, it, it's a lovely platform to recognize the different roles in the industry, um, which, you know, until this, we didn't really have. I mean, if you're in the Navy, you, you, you get a mm. couple extra, you know, colors on your, your ticket. Um, but, yeah. you know, in our industry up until now, there haven't there hasn't been a universal recognition of people that have really yeah. stood out in what they're doing. Um, and it's important well, it's, to have that recognition. Yeah. And I think it speaks to what we touched on right at the very beginning is the isolation of the, of the industry. You know, we're all kind of bobbing around out there doing our jobs, wondering if anyone actually cares outside of our little sphere. And, you know, sometimes that can breed, well, you know, if no one's really looking, then why try harder? Which I think, I mean, it's that's not common, but there is an element to that. Um, and I think being able to really recognize the people that are striving mm. is fantastic. And I, I love everything about it. And I hope to just see it grow, which I'm, I know it will. <laughs> well, I um, I have to say at Monica Yacha this year, it was so exciting because I hadn't gone last year. I hadn't been there for two years since we launched and mm. two years ago I mean I, I knew Dave and Carl's and that was pretty much it and this year I was going and I was just so excited to see and meet these people that we've had partnerships with that we've developed friendships with that we've talked with it's one of the things I love about our industry and kind of the inspiration of where we started the radio station was that it is a global community, but people are very tightly connected, even though we're spread mm. out all, all over the place. And a forum like Monica Yacht Show is just this great place that, you know, everybody comes together and you meet all these people and connections you have. I think that's somewhat unique for the yachting industry, whether you're crew or, you know, in my case, media. Um, there is a... a development of friendships and connections that happen on a global scale. You're not necessarily, mm -hmm. none of us are in the same town, and yet um, people are very tightly connected. I love it, and I, I really agree with that sentiment, and I think um, sometimes there is an advantage of being relatively a small group, which yachting is, we're minute. <laughs> I heard someone laughing the other day that we called it an industry. He's like, you're not an industry. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but there's an advantage in that, that we do get this opportunity to create really strong connections and friendships and support. And I say it for the women as well, like, yes, we are a tiny fraction of this very small industry, but in there, there is a beautiful chance to be able to really connect and make meaningful connection which is incredible changes the whole game doesn't it makes it all worth it yeah it does well um 
Jenny, it has been such a pleasure to catch up with you today. Um, I just talking of inspirations, you have certainly been inspiring a lot of people over the past two years um, as a role model yourself and of building this platform that helps connect us and inspire us and building awareness of what we can achieve when we work together, whether it's male or female. Um, and uh, what's next for She of the Sea? Where are you wanting your particular platform to grow to? Well, we're always um, trying to expand our network and trying to really reach out to the, to the young women uh, and the women currently working in the dis industry. So obviously trying to build the awareness that you can come here. <laughs> we're, we're open ears and arms. So that's part of it. And then the other side is really looking into how to best um, address the issues that people have brought up in this yacht survey into actual action. So we're walking around the hat on how that might look, how we might implement it, and how to get it out to the people that really want it. So lots of research and development and market research at the moment, mm -hmm. uh, which is super fun. <laughs> yeah, and we're balancing that between, you know, obviously keeping ourselves relevant in the industry and by doing, you know, temporary work, deliveries and, and stuff like that. So it's great to be able to get a good finger on the pulse of what's happening in the industry and then actually develop something to Im Im impact that. It sounds like you are a busy woman juggling a lot of balls at yeah, the moment. <laughs> but um, yeah, so many of us are, but it's lovely to see, you know, how we can, you know, develop so many different things in tandem and uh, the different support makes. So thank you so much for today. It was so lovely to catch up with you and hear more about what you've been building and your own story as well. And um, we wish you the very best. Please keep us abreast of new developments. We'd love to hear of them. And um, thank you for your inspiring role as well in our industry. Amazing. Thank you. It's been a total pleasure. Look forward to connecting further. Lovely. Well, that was um, Jenny Matthews with uh, She of the Sea. For all of you that uh, are looking it up, you can find it web, Instagram, Facebook, and you, I mean, anyone can kind of tune in and subscribe and be part of this um, lovely community that you have built. So thank you so much today. Take care. <laughs>